Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you Hollow and deceptive. What a powerful phrase that is. We find that phrase in the second chapter of the book of Colossians, and we're going to talk about that a little today on Your Next Step. Thanks for being part of the conversation. Pastor Doyle from the Church Next Door is here. I am Pastor Doug. We work with each other there at the church. Also working with you to share you this idea from Colossians that some things in the world, Pastor Doyle, are hollow and deceptive. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are hollow and deceptive about this world. Listen, the world tells you that um, just just move on from your relationship and 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 just start over, and it'll be okay. Well, that's exactly not true because you still feel it even though it's the, the person isn't around. I mean. I can't tell you how many people I know who have, you know, lived with somebody and broken up, and then they're like, man, that was so hard. And that's because you leave some. Every time you you move, you leave something behind. And that's a hollow and deceptive philosophy. But when you and I take the plunge and we say, no, I'm going to trust God's way, what it says is forgive the person, work through the relationship and work it out. You know, it, it says invest and you'll have a better return. And that's what we're going to get to uh, today on yeah. your next step. We're going to talk about that plunge into faith. It is a uh, leap of faith, but it yeah. has great rewards. We're glad you're here as we talk about uh, fantasy world, material matters, taking the plunge. Today, I, I want to do a little bit of a bonus round when it comes to fantasy world. And, and the idea of fantasy world is that you and I live in a world that sometimes wants to imply to us that um, they can be good without having God. See, the world in which we live, they want to invite us to, a, to an idea that God is not necessary for us to be good for us to really have a virtuous life. And it's kind of an an amazing idea because what we're saying in this, this fantasy framework is, is that, well, we don't really need God. Yet we live in a world created by God. Now, I realize not everybody agrees with that statement. They believe that the world just happened on its own, but but you and I don't. We we believe that there's just no way that a world as well-designed, as particular as it is, could happen on its own. That that it's actually a level of insanity to deny that something is complex, something is difficult, as the world in which you live, uh, an earth that sits on its axis perfectly so that you and I have the weather conditions that we do. It's hard to deny that reality. And yet our world wants to say, we live in a world created by God that's, that's 
moving around this universe in a perfect way so you and I can have life at the proper distance from the sun, that we come into life. That I mean, just the fact that your body heals and my body heals, the fact that our eyeball can see and take that information and translate it into our brain, that we can compute. I mean, everything about our lives is so complex. So when you and I have the imagination that somehow we could live a life devoid of God, Yet we live in the world created by him, designed for us to enjoy life and do well. And we walk around in a body that was designed by him so that our soul and our spirit can be nurtured by him so that we can have a relationship with one another and with God. I mean, when you think about that, just the, the hubris, the pride. And yet you and I as Christians sometimes... We listen to that world and we begin to believe, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I can, maybe I can set God aside a little bit and I can, I can go for the material things, the good life. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just a material boy. <laughs> for those of you who are old enough to know what that's talking about. See, you and I live in a world that's constantly inviting us towards the material. And yet there's a spiritual reality to life. And God says that there is a relationship between the spiritual and the material. I designed you for this world, but I designed you for heaven and me. And you've got to get that right. Don't let material things capture your heart. And so when you and I, we give our lives to God, we take this plunge. We take this plunge into a a, a spiritual reality in the midst of this world. And sometimes it gets a little bit confusing. And sometimes we begin to drift, you know, we begin to sway a little bit in our our allegiances. And, And I just wanted to encourage you, no, stay true to Christ Jesus. That's what Paul did. And so we've looked every week in this series at 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, Colossians chapter 2. Too many C's, all right? Colossians chapter 2. So look at it with me, if you will. Today, I gave you the living translation. Just let me help you with that. In the 1970s, a dad wanted to read his kids the Bible at night, and the King James is what he had. And so he just wrote it out, paraphrase form. That's how you got the living Bible, okay? It's a a phrase-by-phrase translation from the King James to a dad at the bedside of his kids. I love that picture. What a loving father. Do not let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of on what Christ Jesus has said. Pause. Sorry. I just got to interrupt that. So what what Paul is saying is don't let the thinking of this world begin to to eke into your life. Don't let it begin to, to seek Uh, your heart, because if you do, it will take you from God. These philosophies, these ways of thinking, they will drain you of the love of God. They will drain you of a relationship with God. Seek God. Now, why is this important? Because the world in which you and I live is always looking for an angle, a shortcut, a pathway that, that makes it easier. And so, so we have people that are actually advocating that, that you and I live a filtered life. That would be dishonest, wouldn't it? Cover up who we really are. That we have people that are, that are saying, you can manifest your reality. Just speak it out over yourself. Enough positive thinking, uh, enough self-help programs, and you can pull yourself out of any situation. And that is contrary to what God says. God says that there is a sinful nature to the world in which we live. And until we submit to him, until we come to him, only in that relationship do we have 
the power to unlock the sin code on us and set us free to follow him and to love our neighbor as he intended us to and to love him properly. See, the lies of this world have left us with, with, a, with a broken understanding of life that is tainted by sin. Let me give you some examples right now. Right now, um, on, on Netflix, there's a whole series called Inventing Anna. Friends were telling me about it and how, how this, this young lady invented a whole world. Why? For materialism. She made up a series of lies. This past week, uh, Jennifer and I, you know, we, we flipped on the TV and ABC News was doing a, a story about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. And, and we were just blown away by the fantasy that she was living under. Under. I mean, she, she dropped out of Stanford after two semesters, and yet she proposed to people she was intelligent enough, she understood enough about science and about technology to bridge the gap that she could take two drops of your blood, shove it in the Theranos machine, and then be able to tell you whether or not you had diabetes or a hundred other diseases. It was all a scam. It was all a lie. Now, was it a great idea? Yeah, it's a great idea. I mean, there's lots of great ideas, but it doesn't mean that they're reality. And and, and sometimes you and I have to recognize that, that when we step into a fantasy, it takes us into a pattern of lies and deception and down a hill and, and through a pathway. It's like... It's like Alice in Wonderland dropping down through the hole. And and what God expects of you and I is to be honest and have integrity. And there's a godly way of approaching life. And and if, if the people that bought into her lie had just thought about it from a godly perspective, they might not have lost their shirt. I mean, she took in Walgreens. She took in, oh my gosh, powerful people. Why? Because we all are believing the lie, the fantasy lie, that somehow we can, we can game the system and we can move faster and we can get greater material wealth and benefit. And what Paul is saying to the church and he's saying to you and I to this day is that God says, don't believe the lie. There's not a shortcut to the best life. If you want the best life, if you want God's life, you'll have to choose his way. You have to live according to his standards. You have to open up his word. You have to honor God and honor your neighbor. You have to treat people with respect. And you have to do things the right way. And in that, you will have blessing. In that, you will have success. In that, you will do well. And that abundance that I give you will spread the message of my kingdom and my life. And that is the core principle. If you want to do a self-evaluation of your life, if you want to know how well am I doing in my relationship with God, get out your bank records. What have you been spending your life towards? Have you been spending your life towards the material things of this world? Or have you been spending your life towards the kingdom of God? Get out your, your calendar. What have you been spending the majority of your time on? What do you use your gifts in terms of the the, the talent of who you are, what do you use it for? Does it bring glory to God? That's what God invites us to. That's what Paul is talking about here. Don't get caught up in the philosophy that you'll get ahead by going the path of this world. Verse 9, 
Back to Colossians chapter 2. For in Christ there is all of God in a human body. All of God in a human body. So you have everything when you have Christ. And you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler with authority over every other power. Pause. That sounds just like Ephesians, doesn't it? Chapter 5 and 6, when he talks about principalities and powers of this present darkness and how you and I are in a battle against flesh and blood. See, what Paul is inviting us to is in the physical reality, but also impacts the spiritual reality. And he keeps going. He said, you've already made a good step. He said, when you took the plunge, you took the plunge. When you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires, not by a bodily operation of circumcision, but by a spiritual operation, the baptism of your souls. For in baptism, you see how your old evil nature died with him and was buried with him. And then you came up out of death with him into a new life because you trusted the word of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. What Paul is inviting us to is this reality that that when you and I accepted Christ, that was great. That was a spiritual transformation. But he says, don't believe the liars that say what you really need is to be circumcised. He says, no, the waters of baptism that you went through was what you needed. He said, when you stepped into the baptism pool, when you stepped into that water, you went in as one person. And and the sins and the old way of life are washed away. It is a testimony to you, to your friends, to your family. And it's a reminder to God that, God, I'm all in. I want to be completely covered by your love. God, I want you to know that I am not turning back. I took myself and I presented it to you to the best of my ability. And you've taken all that I was and washed it away. See, that's what baptism is about. The physical and the spiritual impact of following Christ Jesus is you present your bodies to him and he cleanses you and and it's all washed away. One of the beautiful stories about this that that I remember, there was a a letter on the wall of President Lyndon Baines Johnson's office and it told the story of his great-grandfather who was a minister, George Washington Baines. George Washington Baines was the pastor of a Baptist church that just happened to have as one of the participants there, Sam Houston. Sam Houston, he was famous because he was the president of Texas. And then later, when they became a part of the union, he was their first senator. He he served as U.S. senator. Of course, he fought for the independence of Texas. He fought for them. So he's known as a general. So this general, this great man, this famous man, he becomes convicted that he needs to follow God. He's gone to church, but he's never really stepped out in that. He's listened for a while. Finally, one Sunday, he goes forward and he sticks out his hand to, to Reverend Baines. And he says, today I give you my hand and I give Christ Jesus my heart for the rest of my life. Wow, that's a powerful statement, is it not? While Reverend Baines had his hand, he said, would would you be willing to be baptized today? He said, yes, I would. So they made the arrangements later that afternoon. They went out to a a creek, uh, a place of water in nature. You know what I'm saying? And and Houston comes and the, the minister lowers him into the water and raises him up and he says, Sam, Now your sins have been washed away. And Sam looks and he says, well, God help the fish. 
because he knew his life. He'd been a general. He'd been a man's kind of man. And now he's saying, I want to be a godly kind of man. It's a powerful thing. He realized, though, when he came up that his wallet was in his pocket. And he says, oh my, I've baptized my wallet too. And he declared to the reverend that day that I will pay half of your salary for the rest of my life. And he did so. And on Lyndon Bain Johnson's wall was a letter from his great-grandfather, George Washington Baines, telling the story of how Sam Houston had given his life to Christ Jesus and been baptized. You say, well, Pastor, what's your point? Listen, if you've already walked through the waters of baptism, if you've chosen to do that, great. Be reminded that everything about your life has been covered by the blood of Jesus, the love of Jesus, and God's hope for you. Keep walking in that. That's what Paul is saying to the church at Colossae. If you, however, have not gone through the waters of baptism, maybe your parents did what my parents did. They were good people, but they were not necessarily God lovers at that time. They presented me in church to be baptized. I was baptized. You need to know it was compulsory. I had no choice in the matter. I was a baby. Later in life, I said, I want to do this for me. I want to do this for God. I want to do this because I want to make sure that I always remember that there's a time and there's a space where I set apart the old nature and the new nature, that God knows that I present myself as imperfect as it is, and I say, God, wash it away. And if you have not done that yet, why not? If you have questions the way Sam Houston did, then present yourself. It's why every week we have people at the altar to pray with you, to talk to you. They'll answer your questions. They'll do life with you. We are here because we want to help you get over those hurdles. That's what Sam Houston did, and that's why he could stick out his hand and say, today I give you my heart. I give you my hand, but I give my heart to Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When will you do that if not now? Make the decision. I'm encouraging you towards that. Because what Paul says is when you cross that, when you take that plunge, when you take that move, it forever changes your approach to God. The physical impacts the spiritual. In Psalm chapter 92, it says, You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. When I think of my baptism, I think of that victory in my life spiritually. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of leaven, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Can I have an amen? They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in Him. See, God invites you and I to give ourselves completely to Him, and He will give us victory. God has defeated our enemies, and we've given Him our lives, and that's what we do. It's why we come. It's why we gather online and in person to worship God, to set apart a place in our lives so that we would know, God, we are not here. We we are not here ungrateful. We are here grateful and glad. We worship you. See, you and I live a life because he's given us life. And we want to honor him with that. I think one of the most 
Powerful things you and I can do as Christ followers is imitation. Imitate Jesus. Learn to be as kind as Jesus was. You know, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Well, just flatter Jesus. Do everything you can to be kind to as many people as possible. Do everything you can to, 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 to pour into other people, to value them, to love them, to care for them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is, is writing the church. He's talking to them about an offering that they had told him about that they would participate in. And he, he's just encouraging them in this because they're imitating Christ Jesus in this offering. Listen to what he has to say to them. He says, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, this giving money to help God's people. For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acacia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I mean, what he's saying is that, guys, I want you to know, you guys promised an offering, and you've been giving that offering and collecting that offering, and I'm coming back. I'm sending some guys to get it, but I want you to know the blessing it's been to other people. It's why today, Jennifer talked about, I want you to know about the blessing that you've already created in people's lives. That's why we talk about that. You're impacting Africa. You're impacting people right now in, in Belarus, and you're impacting people in, in all the parts of the globe because of our, our love and your generosity and because and of Christ Jesus, okay? I'm reminded of a story since Jennifer mentioned Evans. You know, Evans and Mellon had three children. They had two sons and a daughter. When their daughter was 12, her name is Tabitha, Tabitha. She had an accident. And they took her to the hospital, but unfortunately it was too traumatic for her body. They prayed for her. They believe in miracles, okay? As you and I do. But she went on to be with the Lord. And to this day, Mellon gets up on most Sundays and goes to the hospital and walks to the children's ward and prays for kids. She has some amazing testimonies. One boy that was crippled was healed immediately and got up. She has seen lives transformed. She said, you know, I, I didn't really, she didn't have a, a place for those people in her life prior to her daughter going through that situation. It's changed her life. She goes there. And I listened to Evans. He said, it was a really hard time in our life. It was a low time in our life. To, to lose your child is just unbelievable grief. And in the midst of that grief, as they prayed about it and they contemplated, they felt like God said for them to take a step of faith. And they felt like what God said is the church, what they need most is a stable a stable means of electricity because electricity would just shut down in the middle of whatever they had. And so they went and bought a generator with their own money. They brought it to church on Sunday morning and they placed it down front and they gave it as a testimony to the people that they were trusting God despite losing their daughter. They celebrated their daughter's life and her entrance into heaven with an offering. And they said it transformed their life. See, there is a connection between the physical and the material world and the love that you and I have for it and our love for God. And we want our love for God to be greater than our love for the material things. That's why we bring offerings. That's why we give our time. That's why we, we, we put our energy and our effort into worshiping God with our talents. That's part of who we are now that God has set us free. 
This is Pastor Doyle Jackson from The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. Now is a great time for us just to stop and pray. You know, we've been thinking about God and His Word, but it's it's no good if we don't apply it. So let's take a moment and let's pray. Let's invite God into the situation. I think this would be a good time for us to stop and pray for our military and their commanders. Most of us, we don't think about the military every day unless we have a family member there. So we want to stop today. We want to think about the military and our commanders, Lord. It, it doesn't matter if they're in the, the Army or the Air Force or the Navy or the Marines or the Coast Guard, Lord. These individuals are taking and standing in a difficult spot. And this is what we know, God. You understand what it means to be a commander. You understand what it means to be a soldier. You use those analogies, Jesus. David, he was a man after your heart, and he understood what it was to to stand on the wall and to go into battle and to, to carry a sword and to to stand up against evil. And so, Lord, we're praying that they would have wisdom, that they would have peace and a security that comes from their identity in you. We're praying that they would not engage unless you directed them. We're praying that they would not go to battle unless they had sought you first. May we not be like like Israel that tried to do it in their own strength at time. No, Lord, we want to be like David who sought you and that you directed him. Lord, we know that evil exists in this world and it must be stood against or else it will prevail. And so we choose to say, give our military wisdom on where to stand, how to stand, and to take the stand. And God, I pray that our nation would support the men and women that are serving in that way. And Lord, we thank you for all that have already given their life. And we pray that that no one would have to give their life today. If there's any way for that to be avoided, may they may they be spared. May they all come home to their family and God help their family. We're praying for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Jesus' name. Thank you for praying with me. You know, as a pastor, as, as your pastor, I want you to know one of the most powerful things you can do and I can do is pray together. And I'd like for you to begin to join me in prayer every day. And so we've created a free prayer guide. But you have to go to our website, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email address, and you can download the ebook. It's for you, but it's also to begin to grow in prayer. It's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. Go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your prayer guide today. Your Next Step is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to financially support the ministry, visit thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. That's thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. Of course, we'll be glad to send you a gift of thanks in return. 
For more resources to guide and grow your faith, you can visit doylejackson.com. That's D-O-Y-L-E jackson.com. If you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time for Your Next Step.